by Egg World is produced by the web design agency headscape.co.uk. This week on Bioag World, the secret of successful blogging. Will Google personalization affect your site's ranking and how to help users too busy to read? podcast for all those involved in designing, developing and running websites on a daily basis, on a daily basis, on a daily basis. Designing, developing, designing, developing, running, developing, running, designing, developing, designing, developing, running, Hello and welcome to the 203rd episode of BoagWorld.com. This week's show is called Why Your Blog Fails. And joining me as always is Marcus. Hello Marcus. Hello Paul. So, I'm just really relaxed and calm. No, we're not. We are, we are on the edge of hysteria. Every single task has been ticked. Uh, yeah, you're ready to go away to South By. Yeah, we can yeah. just glide I on into it. I might take the next couple of days off, actually, yeah, before I go. Yeah, just really relax into it. Yeah. This this could be the rushed... Fa- get this podcast over. Come on, let's get it done. Let's get it done and get it out of here. Move on. <laughs> so, yes, we're going to try and record... Well, one and a bit podcast today, aren't we? So we're going to try and record this one and a little bit of next ones mm. so that we've got less to do in South by more time for drinking. I mean, uh, uh, learning in yes, the, the conference. Being inspired. Talking of South by, there's, um, there's a post up on Boag World now which tells you all about um, our coverage of South by because we are going to try and do a little bit more than just sit in the Iron Cactus drinking margaritas. Um, so basically what we're going to do is instead of having uh, eat steak as well, oh, I'm so looking forward to that so much. I'm looking forward to, I just need to get away from this country for a bit. I'm fed up with winter. Did you see the uh, weather forecast? This is just how to annoy people who aren't going. Well, it's uh, raining, isn't it? Uh, yeah, Last it's a bit rainy today, but I noticed Thursday was, I think 20. Well, I looked a big sunshine Oh, that's good. and Friday was 19. So a little bit cooler, but 19 compared to. Three, yes. or whatever it is here at the moment. Yes, yeah, so that's very sunny and nice. Beautiful weather, but yeah. very cold. Yeah, so... Um, Sorry, I was put your... Co- yeah, I was just going to say what, what we're going to do about our coverage, because like you just pointed out, it can get a bit annoying when, when everybody's going on about a conference. Yes. Mm, isn't the weather lovely? And- so I'm going to try and minimise um, too much on the Boag World Twitter feed, um, and also keep it to a minimum as well on the Boagwell blog. So what we've done is we've set up a separate posterous blog um, and a separate Twitter account. Um, all the details are on the Boagwell website. If you just pop along there, you'll be able to see um, uh, exactly how, you know, what you can follow us on if you want to know about South By. Um, that's at boagworld.com forward slash news forward slash Boagworld SXSW. Can we easily post pictures up from our... Mm. Yeah. yeah, the idea is what's great about Posterous. You haven't come across Posterous. Well, I've got an account, but I've only ever. No, I mean, I'm, is there an easy way to kind of me flick an iPhone picture at. Uh, even easier. Even, even easier. Even, than even that. easier than that. So you take a photograph with your camera, mm. you, um, you then can email it to a special address, and it will appear on the Posterous blog. 
Yeah. You can also record audio or video and do exactly the same thing. You can type text and send it to the email. Mm-hmm. You can do whatever you want, Marcus. Okay. Whatever obviously makes you I'll, happy. I'll be doing most of my posts from uh, from various positions where Paul's drunk. No, because uh, I'm not so, going to get drunk. And say, look, here's another photograph of Paul. I've learned my lesson from Jeremy Keith's picture of me with the word cock written across my forehead. <laughs> and I wasn't even that you drunk. You haven't learnt your lesson, though. No one ever learns their lesson. Uh, yes. So anyway, there's um, some... Uh, yeah, you can follow it. I mean, we're going to be... Uh, Marcus is flippant, obviously, but we are going to be tweeting from... Um, not tweeting, posting from all the various talks that we go to. Um, and there is a lot did last time. Yeah. And there's a lot I of headscapers. There's a lot of headscapers going out this year. So um, you should get a lot of coverage from lots of different talks because I suspect we'll all go to different things. So that should be good. Should be good. Okay. Shall we move on to the news as we're rushing through this show at a ridiculous pace? <laughs> of course, what we can't rush through Marcus is our lovely sponsors. And this section of the show, <laughs> see, that's called a segue. Yes. Or, or is no, is that one of the things you ride on? That's, that's a, also called a segue. That's I think. very confusing. Too many segues. Oh, I'd love to have gone one of those. Catherine's been on a segue. Has she? Yeah, they're cool. Yeah, I'd love to have a go. Yeah. I'm not sure they are called segue. No, I don't no know. it doesn't sound quite right, does it? Something's yeah. gone wrong. I've got confused. Anyway. But I know what you mean. Yes. Our sponsor. So the sponsor for the new section is um, the Web Designer Depot. The Web Designer Depot is a popular web design blog which covers tutorials, design trends, blogging, and inspirational posts. I like the Web Design Depot a lot, and, and we often refer to it on the show. You can visit um, them at webdesignerdepot.com, and you can also follow them on Twitter at Designer Depot. That's Designer Depot. There we go. Mm. So that's our little plug for them. I cool. do like them. And it's really nice of them to support our um, our show, really. Because I guess, you know, it's good that they're supporting other things that go on in the web design community other than their own blog. That's all I'm saying. Good for them. Move on. Good for them. Sorry. Um, yeah, you really don't like this advertising. Move on from the advertising. It's dirty, dirty, dirty advertising. Someone has to, you know, be on the side of the listener. Of the listener, yes. No, the listener doesn't mind. Web designer depot. It's good stuff. It's not like I'm, I'm, we're advertising, I don't know. I've got no problem with it at all, Paul. I can't, match.com. Keep this up. Yeah, I suppose we could, we could go for a re, we could have Let's one week for, of really yeah, dodgy Really dodgy. <laughs> Russian, Russianbrides.com. Excellent. So, first news story. Helping users who are too busy to read. Um, as is pointed out this week on 52 Weeks of UX, which is another excellent blog you ought to check out, um, the days of reading help manuals are over. Um, and in a world of Twitter, Facebook, mobile phones and email, we don't have the opportunity to spend long lengths of time learning stuff. What we need is the matrix. Where you, just downloads you, you into just your download brain. it into your brain Absolutely. and then you know how to do it. Absolutely. When she learns uh, so the t- this type of helicopter. Yes. And- and she's got it yeah that's what we want until then i'm not interested (laughs) skip on to the next story (laughs) so i mean but it's an interesting problem isn't it because whoever reads them anyway but people used to have time for this kind of stuff yeah you you wouldn't you know i mean men obviously have never read manuals but women used to did they i believe so okay catherine still does my wife she's weird mine I, i read manuals probably about a month after I've used the thing. 
<laughs> well, no, no, because there is, there is some thought behind that. It's a kind of case of, right, I've got it going on my own. Yeah. And then once I feel I know how to use it, then I'm, there must be some extra stuff. Right. That it can tell me about oh. in the manual. Most of the time, I just don't have the time. Mm. And as this post suggests, it says, um, we don't have two re- hours to read a manual. We probably don't have um, 20 minutes. Instead, we learn uh, bits here and slices there, all adding up to a real le- um, learning, but not in a cont- uh, <laughs> contiguous. I don't, is that a word? Con- it yeah, is, a word. yeah. Okay. So in other words, we learn bit things in bits and pieces rather than in one big chunk. Yes. So, in short, we're learning as we go. So, this um, has a considerable impact on the way that we design our websites, if you think about it. We can no longer expect users to consult a help section or contact us for advice when they cannot use the website. And according to 52 weeks of UX, we need um, to change our approach. In its place um, is embedded support, directions, tips, cues, and other signposts that can nudge us back on track. For example, um, uh, one example of this type of post is inline hand-holding is microcopy, yes. you know, the small, useful mm. copy that helps answer contextual questions and defray concerns. So what about your site? Do you pro- uh, provide enough support to help users learn about um, your site as they go? Are your error messages and instructional text clear and descriptive? Perhaps it's time to revisit your web copy and add a little bit of those kind of nuggets of, of search. What I liked about this article is the just this this idea that we we learn in slices and little chunks as we go along. I mean, the, mm. the example of this I always get um, is with computer games. We had the, I had a new game over um, this weekend: Aliens versus Predator. Very fun. Like it a lot. I like playing an alien and killing marines. <laughs> Very bloody game. Yes, very, I can imagine. Very bloody. But no, what's good about that is when you start off, you know, you don't have a tutorial. You don't sit down and read the manual. In fact, the, the manuals are non-existent now for these books yeah. pretty much. But, you know, they talk you through it as you start playing and you kind of pick it up as you go along, which is much better. And computer games do this really well. And I think that we need to start doing it on websites too. Well, then, computer games often have a kind of go and practice area, don't they? Yeah, but no, incre- well, they did, but increasingly that's kind of been incorporated into the storyline. Okay. So, for example, with this one, you start off as the alien at the beginning and, um, you know, it, it's your prisoner to begin with. And, and um, this guy is talking about you, to this scientist is talking about you to his colleagues off screen. It says, look how I move my hand, how he follows my finger, uh, right, yeah. you know, and how he's tracking my movement. So that teaches you to look and that kind of thing. So, yeah, it's good. It's a good technique. Okay. So moving on. One of the most controversial areas um, of web design uh, with the web design process is design sign-off. And everyone, including clients, have strong opinions about what they like and dislike. Designers, on the other hand, are often overly sensitive about their work. And so this can lead to a lot of friction. Being able to give and receive criticism... um, uh, as well as discuss design in a constructive manner, is both a skill that um, designers and website owners, I think, require. Fortunately, there's an article on Smashing Magazine this week called Web Design Criticism, a how-to, which guides you through the process. And this is something that's really important. If you've been to art college, then you're, you're used to having your designs critiqued and pulled apart. Um, but a lot of the de- web designers out there haven't had that background, and so haven't had the training about how to deal with this kind of feedback. 
So the article explores the subject of design uh, critiques before suggesting eight pieces of advice on how best to give feedback. So it's both sides of the equation. It's how to receive it and how to give it. So it's a valuable article and well worth reading. In my opinion, design critiques are extremely important, especially in teams of designers. It's always good to have another designer look at your work and provide feedback. Um, As a designer, it's easy to become too close to a project, and so a fresh perspective is always valuable. If you're a freelancer and don't have anyone to discuss your designs with, then why not try getting involved in a forum or somewhere else where you can start showing your design to other designers and getting their opinion? So, for example, on the, the Boag World Forum, there's a website critique section mm-hmm. where you can post up designs and other people will um, comment on them and you'll get feedback and a bit of interaction. So it's a bit of a lost art, I think, the critique. It doesn't happen very much. I'm great at it. <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. I, am okay. actually, I am actually a yeah, reasonable you're design critic you're not bad you hate it when I critique, critique your design well I don't do design really anymore do I well that's probably why you hate it even more than you used to <laughs> <laughs> it's like I put all my soul into this <laughs> you don't tend to critique my designs very much it's, I, don't like, I don't like the blue Paul yeah that's not critiquing <laughs> Talking of design, um, I'm constantly amazed at how many websites still go through regular redesigns that involve complete overhauls of the look and feel. Now, I can understand a designer's desire to do something new and fresh because that's designers for you. However, even website owners seem to want something new the whole time. The problem is that though we might get a kick out of doing a major overhaul of our site's look and feel, users don't often respond as well. And there's a post by Jerry McGovern. If it works. If if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Exactly. Um, Jerry McGovern, in his post, he talks about Facebook as an example of what can happen when you redesign. He writes, after a redesign in March, a Facebook poll revealed that 94% of users didn't like the changes. Um, and when Facebook introduced its news feed in 2006, students organized to protest against it. <laughs> now, now, I think you got to be silly. Yeah, I think you've got to be a little bit careful in this. And I do see where Jerry's coming. But just to argue the flip side before I go back to Jerry's point, which is that people don't like change. Yeah, but sometimes change is, change is good for you. Yeah, and often, you know, as designers, and talking about design in its entirety, not just visual design, then if you make design changes that make it easier to use, you're going to sell more stuff, etc., cetera, et cetera sure. then that's well worth doing. Yeah, and Jerry does say that in his article, to be fair to him. Um, I think, in fact, I think most users like familiarity and dislike change. Um, and this is because users don't want to be um, excited by a new design. Instead, they just want to get stuff done. You yep. know, then they don't go to a website going, I want to be inspired and excited by the design. They go going, well, I want to complete a certain task. And Jerry goes on to say the vast majority of them uh, are at your website to get something done as quickly as possible. The only people who are likely to complain about your website's design are other web designers. And Craigslist is constantly being told that its site is boring. 
Um, but then he's got a quote from uh, the CEO of Craigslist that says, but the people I hear it from are inevitably working for firms who want the job of redoing the site, <laughs> which I can, you know, I can understand, although Craigslist is appalling and offends me deeply. Um, does this mean that our website should never change? Absolutely not. However, we do need to examine our motives for change. Um, and when we do change, it should be more of an evolution rather than a revolution, which is something I've talked about lots before on the show. Indeed. So that's that one. Moving on. We're doing well. We're plowing through the news. Yeah, come on. <laughs> does this feel really laboured this week? Does it Does it come across, dear listener, that we don't want to be doing it? We, we've got hundreds of other things I'm, we should I'm be doing. I'm sort of hung over from two weeks of partying. Well, you're about to go for a week of partying. I know. Well, not two weeks of partying. Two weekends. Two weekends. It was my birthday two weeks ago. It's my wife's this last weekend, and I'm a bit... should have wished you happy birthday, shouldn't I? Yeah. yeah. Well, that's ages ago. It was last month. <laughs> but now I'm all right. I'm just a bit... Bleh. Blair, I yeah. feel a bit Blair today. Well, it is Monday morning and we're mm. sitting here at 10 o'clock recording a blooming podcast. <laughs> I should be in bed at this time on a Monday morning. Anyway. Yes, someone as special as me. Yes. What am I doing up before I should midday? Be, I should be in bed and I should have people feeding me grapes. <laughs> Young, nubile women or whatever. But stop now. Okay, I'll stop. In fact, I'll move on to the next <laughs> news story, which is our last news story. Um, there's been a lot of excitement recently around things such as Typekit and Font Deck that allow designers to the ability to use custom fonts on their website. However, um, custom fonts are only the beginning of what can be done with typography using CSS. Unfortunately, it's kind of quite hard to keep up with the latest innovations. So it's good to see a post by Yaley this week um, about CSS typography. And it's on Smashing Magazine, and it's a comprehensive overview of everything you can do using type um, and CSS. So it includes things like white space, word wrapping, uh, word and letter spacing, indentation and hanging punctuation, web fonts, obviously, text shadows, and some other new emerging text decoration stuff that I was totally unfamiliar with. So it, it was a really interesting article that kind of left me with a feeling of the days of using QFON and flash replacement and image replacement are pretty numbered, really. And I think web, web typography is finally coming to a, to um, coming of age of age. See, yeah. struggling. No, this is cool. I want to see. I'd like uh, Headscape to be doing work. With well, the... we and we are starting to do work actually. Yeah, it's it's something interesting that I haven't uh, Ed being one of our designers, which I haven't tested, but I've got no reason to doubt him. Which is he's saying that the only thing with things like Typekey, obviously Font Deck isn't out yet, but with Typekey, he's saying that the aliasing on some of the fonts looks a bit shit, um, and that that's actually problematic. But, I mean, I haven't seen that firsthand. I'll be interested to see what other people say. If you use um, Typekit, post us a comment, will you, and let us know whether you've found problems with it or not. But, yeah, Ed certainly has been a little bit put off by that. Um, but I guess to some degree that's because, you know, a lot of the fonts that are on there aren't designed for the web. So, mm. you know, that's what goes with the territory, I guess. Okay, so that wraps up the news. Are we ready to move on? <laughs> Okay, so we have a feature this week rather than an interview. We thought we'd take a break from the interviews um, and look at the subject of... 
company blogging. If you have a company website, a corporate website, and you are blogging, what's the secret to making it successful? Now, I have to say, before you switch off and go, not you personally, Marcus, you can switch (laughs) off. You already have. Um, But if you're listening to this and you go, well, I don't run a corporate blog, a lot of the advice we're going to give applies to, to regular blogs as well. So do bear with us. And this um, this whole uh, feature is brought to you by Shopify, who's been a long-term sponsor of the show, and we do appreciate their support. Shopify is an e-commerce solution made by designers and for designers. So for more, more information, visit shopify.com forward slash Boagworld. So before I reveal the reason why the vast majority of blogs fail... Um, and what makes a few of them succeed. I first of all want to explain why I believe um, corporate blogger, institutional blogging is so important. So why should your organization blog? Um, Well, organizational blogs have huge potential, um, but just some of the benefits are um, search engine visibility, right? So if you've got a blog, it's keyword heavy, and it's a good way to improve your search engine rankings. A well-written, useful blog uh, will naturally attract users and place you highly on search engines. Regular posting also encourages search engines to spider your site more often, which means that your content will be listed faster. So search engine vi- visibility is one. Increased numbers of links. If your blog is interesting and relevant, um, people are more likely to visit it, uh, visit it and therefore link to it. So, um, for example, another website owner is unlikely to link to your product page for your vitamin supplement, for example. However, they are um, likely to link to you if you've got a post about the benefits of vitamin supplements to health. So third party um, links not only drive traffic, they also improve search engine rankings as well. So it's a double whammy there. Um, a good blog will reach new audiences because um, you can also take the blog posts that you produce and syndicate them. In other words, you can allow other website owners to republish your content in return for a link back to your own blog. And this is a superb way of reaching people that would never normally visit your website. Now, the benefit is that it generates repeat traffic because if you're blogging regularly um, and you allow users to subscribe via email or RSS, it's a great way to keep them coming back. Uh, this keeps your brand in, in the kind of forefront of their mind and it will increase the likelihood of them completing a call to action. The final benefit I wanted to, to mention is that, it gain, um, is that it's a great way of gaining customer feedback. Blogs are, are more than just a broadcast tool. They're also an excellent way um, of gathering user feedback through commenting and stuff like that. So, and that in turn can help improve your website or your offering or whatever. So if corporate blogs are so effective, why do so many fail? And the answer is actually unbelievably simple, right? Corporate blogs fail for many reasons, but one of the biggest, the biggest, is the organization stops blogging. And that will be a good reason for failing. Um, It's that simple. So the question then becomes, why do they stop blogging? And the answer is equally simple because blogging is hard <laughs> um, but probably that's not a sufficient answer for for, for the sake <laughs> oh, of this that'll do. yeah there you go we're done <laughs> it's um, hard Don't many, <laughs> many corporate bloggers start off enthusiastic in the hopes of instant returns however as i explained in one of my previous um features on the 10 harsh truths of corporate blogging building a readership is a long-term commitment it can take months uh, for users to recognize your blog as a, consist- as a consistent source of useful information. 
Um, and uh, only then will they start visiting it regularly and recommending it to others. It doesn't just take time. It also takes commitment. You need to uh, be posting regularly and to a schedule and users are more likely to visit your blog if they know that you're going to release a, um, a post on a certain day of the week. I think the biggest problem, however, is that um, blogging is more than just it's a long term commitment and it takes time. It's, it's hard to come up with ideas for content. Most bloggers start off well um, uh, and then when they don't get support from other people within their organization, then they start to falter. They simply don't have an, um, enough, uh, you know, or don't know enough about their organization to blog without contributions from others. The problem is that everybody else is too busy with their own responsibilities to write blog posts. The result is that either the blog dies completely or where it becomes a graveyard for press releases that nobody cares about. Yeah, I think one of my main problems, or, or I don't know whether this this is just anecdotal, it's just my view, is that most companies in particular um, make the, the the blog too company-related. Mm. It's not personal enough. Yeah. Uh, I know it's written by people within the, you know, within the corporate structure. But it almost is written third person of yes. you know and yeah it, and it's related to we've just signed this yeah or, it is press release based right? that's what i meant where we yeah. know pre- place where press releases go to die you know yeah. that nobody reads it nobody cares about that it's got to be so much more than that isn't it when I mean, i've been having a conversation about um this from an on, from the, a company's intranet oh right where, yeah where the corporate side is still still winning the battle of, yeah well, we've got to have the corporate stories at the top of the new of our intranet homepage. yeah it's like well no hang on a minute because they this particular particular organization they've got at the moment some sort of you know picture of the week type thing yeah or you know i'm something so and so i've got this for sale yeah and I said, well, you know, based on the stats, so what are people looking at? Oh, they're looking at all that stuff. Yeah, said, of Well, from that point of view, that's what they want. To, that's, they want to come to the site to see that. Yeah. So, sure, yeah, you, you've got a, you have certain messages too. that are in there. But, you know, you don't make, you don't, it's not at the top of the page in biggest bold. Absolutely, bold. yeah. But uh, the, that message didn't, still didn't get through. But there yeah. we go. <laughs> so, I mean, the question becomes, how do you keep coming up with content? You know, how do you keep feeding this animal that, that kind of you need to always come up with, you know, a post every week or whatever? Um, I mean, I think it's not that difficult. I think it's a mindset thing. And that there, there are three principles that I've come up with which help loads. The first is that not all posts need to be long posts. There's no statutory length for blog posts. But somewhere along the line, we've got it into our head that, you know, a post needs to be a certain length or have a certain format or whatever else. Uh, and that requires, a, a, you know, a lot of work. And also, I think, you know, in some ways, I think shorter posts are more effective because they don't require such a commitment from readers to kind of get through them. I mean, mm. don't be afraid to write shorter posts. In fact, I think one of the most successful blogs I know is a tech blog called Daring Fireball, which often consists of only a couple of paragraphs in any particular post. If you're busy, write a shorter post. And if you're not, then write a longer one. You know, it's it, it's more important to to be consistent than it is to you know to write longer posts. Really, so that's principle one. Principle two is keep a um, a list of post ideas, and I mentioned that in um, a post I wrote recently, which is five lists every website owner should keep. 
And I wrote, blog ideas occur to me all the time. When I'm reading a book, watching TV, or even in the shower, rarely am I able to sit down and write the post there and then. And that's why I keep a list of blog ideas. You shouldn't have done the shower image for us. What's wrong? Well, I, I shower fully clothed. It's fine. Oh, that's okay then. Fine, yeah. fine, fine. Um, <laughs> I know by the time I sit down to write something, all of, the, uh, all of those great ideas will have gone out of my head because I have the memory of a small child. Um, by keeping a list of uh, blog posts, you avoid the panic when the deadline for posting looms. And when faced with an empty uh, post, your mind often goes blank. So having an existing list avoids this. So that's the second principle. Mm -hmm. Third principle is vary the type of posts, right? And I'm going to rattle through a whole load. There's a lot more detail on these different types online. Um, But I'll just rattle through the list. I I think this is really important to remember. The the thing is, is you get stuck in doing one type of post, which can seriously limit the potential subject matter. So here's a, a load of ideas of different types of posts that I've used in the past. Ask questions. So do a post that's nothing more than ask your audience a question and encourage them to comment. It's a great way of building up interaction on your site. Do an interview. So it's often hard to encourage others in your organization to write a post, but it is easier for them to agree to an interview. And you can either interview them about their area of expertise or do a profile piece on them or whatever. And there's no reason why um, you cannot interview the expert, an expert from outside your organization as well. Finally, if you really push for time, then why don't you record the interview either as a video or audio? Um, and that saves a lot of time writing up your post and also helps to vary the user experience. So interviews are great. I'm, I'm a great believer in them. We ought to do some more interviews with people at Boag World. Uh, not some, obviously we do them on the show, but some Headscape people for the podcast, uh, the blog. <laughs> <laughs> I knew what you meant, Paul, and hopefully everyone else did. Do do I need to draw a diagram of some description? (laughs) Anyway, case studies. Next one, he says, moving on quickly. Case studies are are great as well, but, 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 but be careful that they don't turn into self-congratulatory posts that say how great you are. The emphasis of a case study should be on, on identifying problems that the reader can associate with and then demonstrating how you overcame them as an example. Um, the focus should always be on the reader and not on, yes, we, uh, we won this work with these people and we did a great job at solving their problems. Mm. You know, it needs to be more practical than that. A multimedia posts, I mentioned a minute ago, deny video and audio. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's just the tip of the iceberg. You know, audio and video combined with photography can be a great way of communicating information, whether it's um, giving a tour of your facilities like we did. That was Mm -hmm. one of our most popular posts. I want to record one again, actually, that doesn't because that one was specifically for renting out a room that we don't want to do. So I Mm want to do one for here's the barn. Isn't it lovely? We must do that. Um, it was useful but when no, you put up job ads. Con- congratulatory, though. Oh, no. Oh, confusing. <laughs> yeah. yes. Here's the barn, and it's all right. It's all right. It's quite nice. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, but you might also want to use it for capturing an event that you're running, or, you know, or, I don't know. It's, it's good. You can show lots of stuff through video and audio. Yes. Events. Um, I just mentioned events. If you're running events, they're an excellent source of blog material. Whether you're running a conference, a workshop, a supplier day... There's always something to blog about. And if you have speakers, try recording their talks and making sure that they're available as well, because that's excellent blogging material. Commentaries is another one. 
So that's where um, you produce um, a post that responds to something somebody else has written on the web. So a commentary piece tends to be short, and yet users can um, like them because they highlight other online content they might be interested in. Yep. So con- uh, commentary is good. News, and I'm not talking about typical corporate news here that tends to be very inward-looking look- and focusing on news within the company. Um, I'm talking about kind of news within your sector, you know, um, that might be of interest to your readers. It's an excellent way of encouraging repeat traffic because you become seen as the definitive news source for developments in your sector. So news posts are good. Reviews are another good one. Um, Posting reviews of books, software, services, anything really. Um, It's a great way of making um, new contacts because you can actually contact the org- the people that that create or produce these things that you're reviewing so it's good from that point of view and it also you know helps to spread your reputation um and 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 kind of yeah builds up relationships it's good hints and tips is another one short pieces of advice um a great filler post that are easily digestible um they also uh, establish your organization as an expert with advice to share so they increase your credibility tutorials are another one bit more in depth these um that uh, they help a user go through a series of steps to complete a, a specific goal i mean obviously this depends on the type of organization you run um but also tutorials are great because you can include imagery and video and you know uh, there's lots of things you can do with tutorials lists <laughs> um users enjoy top 10 lists there's no getting around it for example top 10 ways to improve your blogging um, the main reason for its popularity is that they're easy to digest. A user can glance at the headlines without reading the whole post in detail. Also, as a blogger, lists are really easy because you don't have to kind of join points together and, you know, lead on. So they're really easy to write as well. These are the 14, um, type, the 14 top tips for varying your type of post. Yes, exactly. <laughs> this is a list now, isn't it, basically? It. Resources is another one. That's really useful. Um, so you highlight resources, um, interesting articles on your own blog or elsewhere on the web. You could point out books, white papers, other types of resources might be of interest. Depends on your sector. Um, predictions is another one, our penultimate one. Um, people always like it when you tell them what the future has in hold. Obviously, there's a risk of you getting it wrong and looking like a pillock. Um, Tomorrow will be Tuesday. Actually, it won't be when this goes out. No. Tomorrow will be Saturday. Yeah, there you go. Although, this is now released as a bite size, which is released tomorrow, which is Tuesday. Tomorrow will be Wednesday and Saturday. Yeah. Wow. How very confusing. (laughs) So predictions are another great thing that people do like. Especially if you get it right, you look like a visionary and very progressive as well. So, unless you say it's Wednesday. (laughs) And then the final one is debates. Every sector has issues that divide opinion. Um, although your organization should express its opinions on your own blog, it can also be good to put forward different points of view and then encourage people to, to express their opinions in the comments. So there's lots of different possible ways of doing it. So the secret of successful blogging... I've got a fourth principle. Oh, go on. <laughs> no, I think this is important in relation to keep, keeping feeding the animal. I think a lot of people, and I'm guilty of this... Yeah feel that every piece of prose that I write has to be perfect and engaging and witty and perfectly written. Yeah. And if, you do, if you've got that attitude towards writing blog posts, then you ain't going to do it. Yeah. So just mind dump, 
get it out there. Yeah. Bam, bam. Absolutely. I think there's a fifth then. Okay. Which is kind of follow on from <laughs> that. <laughs> We're on a roll. Which is that whole thing of a lot of people think that they haven't got anything valuable to say. They presume that their knowledge of something, oh, well, other people already know that. But a lot of people don't know stuff that you know. And mm. even if they do, sometimes it's good to have it written down to be reminded of it. If I only ever wrote stuff that was completely original and nobody else had ever thought of, then I wouldn't write anything, basically. It's, yeah, most of them. I mean, one of the points I think you had was it was commentary, and that's what blogs are. They're yeah, commentary. Exactly. And it might be commentary on stuff that's very personal to you yeah. or stuff that's related to... You know, a company's business or whatever, but it's just chatting, really, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And giving people the, uh, you know, the uh, um, an option to to chat back at you and yep. with other people. Yeah, and I think that two way dialogue is a really important mm. thing, and that's what makes blogs so amazingly powerful. And if you get it right, they can be brilliant, but mm. it is quite hard. You know, it's hard to keep going. So there you go. There's a load of stuff there. I mean, that a lot of that is a, a, applies with whether you're running a corporate blog or a personal blog. Mm -hmm. So hopefully it will be helpful. Let's move on, shall we? Okay, so we've come to the listener contribution part of the show, which this week is going to be a question about Google personalized rankings. Um, Yeah, but before we do that, I want to introduce a new sponsor to you, which we're we're doing a um, kind of audition for... Did you know about this, Marcus? Vaguely, I, think you I did. heard you talking about it. So we're doing this audition for, for the third slot because we thought it'd be really good if the third kind of um, sponsor shot slot of the show was more of a, a kind of a community thing because it's community subjects. Um, so our, our first sponsor um, in this slot, which will be on for the rest of this month, is um, uh, Rosenfeld uh, Media. And Rosenfeld Media uh, pr- uh, publishes short, practical and useful books and webinars on kind of user experience design. And their products exist to help uh, web and other design professionals make informed design decisions. Now, we pick these guys because they've got some amazing stuff. They've got some really good books and really good webinars. So definitely go and check them out. I highly recommend them. I mean, I highly recommend all our sponsors because um, they'll produce great yeah. stuff. No, no, no. I like them more than them. Oh, no, I can't <laughs> <see that>. <laughs> <laughs> No, I'm just saying there's different criteria for selecting this one. Cool. If that makes any kind of sense. Mm-hmm. If you want to be considered for this section, then um, do a do a search on Boag World for audition, and you'll find uh, you'll find all the details on there about how to go about doing it. So there we go. Anyway, so we received the following question from Peter Bennett, um, and I thought I would share it with you. Hi Marcus. Hi Paul. In response to show one nine nine, you said on some of your specific search results, Headscape are being pushed to the top. However, since show 199, I have since seen four new features at the end of each search result that appear when logged in. I don't know how long they've been there, but I think they deserve a mention. These features are where you can promote listings, which will then place a selected website at the top of your personal Google results. You can also demote any websites which you previously promoted, which Google call restore. You can also add comments for each individual listings which other users can see. And finally, you can remove. This will totally remove the chosen listing from your future search results. In my opinion, although I'm not sure, if listings get promoted numerous times by different users, maybe this could affect each listing search position in the long term with Google being able to collaborate each user's preferences. What do you think? 
So, yeah, uh, Peter, that, that was exactly what I was getting at in show um, 199 and exactly the kind of tools I was talking about. It's actually been around for a while. Um, as to whether Google will use these features to inform their ranking, I mean, who knows? You know, we've got no way of really knowing what Google does half the time with their ranking. I think if they do it, it'll only be in a minor way. Only a smallest fraction of people um, searching on Google will use these tools. And so Google will not, is not about to rely heavily on them. Um, bizarrely, there's already been a kind of extensive debate about whether these features will impact SEO. Um, but from my perspective, it's kind of a pointless discussion, really. Too many website owners spend too much time and money obsessing about Google listings. I mean, I'm not denying that SEO works. You know, it's possible to manipulate your rankings. However, I would argue that the return on investment is non-existent, really. I mean, I can give you an example of that. I was recently talking to one website owner who runs an e-commerce site, and he spent thousands of pounds trying to improve his placement on Google, and he succeeded. But he calculated that it made him less than a thousand pounds in extra revenue. And so in short, he made a net loss. It's just chest beating. I'm a higher than you. I know. Google. It's That's not it is. actually of much use. Because I, I swear, and this is again me with my anecdotal way of looking at the world, that people don't go for number one. They look and then, they, then they'll go down two or three and then they'll pick third or fourth one to look at first. And if that fits their bill, done. You reckon? Yep. You make this stuff up. Of course I do. <laughs> <laughs> but there is some, there is some, you know, there, there is definitely some, uh, you know, it's more I, complex than getting number it's one. It's not just about being number one. No, no. Um, absolutely not. And I would argue that the only kind of SEO work you really need to do is work that you have to do anyway in building a website. And that includes writing relevant, useful copy that actually users care about. Relevancy is everything. Yeah. And about creating a website that's accessible to the broadest possible audience. You do those things anyway. And that's all the SEO work, in my opinion, you need to do. But good, then, good copy that changes regularly. Yeah. And if you do that, then your, your ranking will be high anyway. Yeah. It's like, I've never worried about ranking on Boag World and we rank very well on everything. Thank you very much. Mm. At the end of the day, you know, none of us are ever going to know how Google, Google actually calculates its listings. Well, it's done from a, you know, some other solar system somewhere else. You know, it's run by aliens. Yeah. And we will never know. Exactly. However, we do know that Google, uh, Google's job is very simple. Its job is to connect its searchers with the best content out there, right? So let's work on making our content the best and most accessible content out there. Then you're going to be ranked high on Google. Seems logical to me mm. so there you go that's uh that's my little rant about seo i feel like it's been a while since i've ranted about seo so it seemed like it was about time i talked to them yeah i always get people grumbling at me whenever i do this so so, so yes you thought you'd stoke the fire a stoke bit. the fire for a bit so do you have a, a joke to put this sorry state of a show to bed <laughs> next week's one will be much more fun yeah we'll be all hey hello possibly <laughs> Uh, yes, I do. Thank you, Jason, for this one. It's a, it's a, it's a joke about fonts. Oh, Typeface joke. Two fonts walk into a bar. The bartender says, we don't serve your type here. So they called the serif. <laughs> Which really, really appeals to me. As I'm sure you're probably aware. Now, that's my kind of joke. 
Oh dear, never mind, Mark. I've got a long, I've got, I've got a long one for next week. Oh, have you? Yeah. It's going to be a mammoth show next yeah, week. Yeah, well, no, maybe we can just lose one bit because we can just do what we like because it's our show. No, we can't. Yes, we can. We can't. Yes, we can. We got, we've got to, we've got to make it long because people complain about the show being too long. So that just makes me want to be, make it longer because I'm like that. Mm. <laughs> well, they'll, they'll have turned off by now. So you can say what you like. Yeah. You're all asses. <laughs> now this one, this week, because there's no interview in it, probably is 40 minutes or something. Yeah. They're either 40 or 80. Yeah. How you look at it. Hell well. I don't care. You I, should care. You should why? care about what people think. Why, why does the length matter? You could just not listen to it all. <laughs> it's not complicated. It's like they feel like they're missing out on something. Exactly. You can't just turn off halfway through. Why? Goodness. I mean, well, it's like this... reading a book halfway. I think I'll not. Yeah, with but, it, but look, look let's use this show as an example. It started bad and it's deteriorated <laughs> throughout, and now it's completely lost it. So if, yeah. no, if people stopped listening 10 minutes ago, it really wouldn't make any difference, would it, really? Yeah, but often the last bit. Particularly my last bit is oh, the best your joke. bit of the show. Well, they could skip the middle then and like, fast forward to the end. Yeah. Okay. No, skip I'm happy the with joke. That. I'm happy with that. Yeah. Well, I've, I offered front, to, front page, back page of the book. I offered Done. to release your your um, joke as a separate bite size. Well, it'd be a very short bite size most weeks. Wouldn't it, it would be. The introduction would be longer than the actual uh, content. Yeah, probably. But it'd be quite cool. Please don't make me do this you show should, anymore, Paul. You should do it as an audio boo. <laughs> No. Yeah. No. Oh, at South by you have to do a joke every day, and you have to post it to the posterist blog. Yeah, all right. I don't mind typing a joke in. I'm not posting a bloody video. Why can't you could do audio? I could. But I'm not difficult. going to. Why not? Should we end this show? End the show now. <laughs> Thank you very much for listening, and join us again next week when we will be coming live. Well, not live at all. Ish. Ish. Live ish from South by Southwest. The podcast for those involved in designing, developing, and running websites on a daily basis. Bye. 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 Bye.